we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 644. Why would you want to listen to Zen Parenting Radio? To help you feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we got a few kind of random things. I, I feel good that we're not like in heavy promotion mode book summit stuff. It's nice well, to get am, back to normal. Uh, yeah, but I do have to say a few things uh, about the book. I'm totally on board with you saying a few things. It's okay. just we're not like managing a virtual summit today. Correct. That is true. That is true. So we don't have to like tell people how to do things right. and how to click on things and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, but first, I, I think I want to start with the Zen Parenting moment. Sure. Um, so Kathy comes out with this toy once a week on Fridays. And this one, it's just like a quick essay. And this one's called Natural Rhythm. And you know what it made me think of, sweetie? Um, probably music. Rhythm is a dancer, because it is. Who sings this? Uh, rhythm is a dancer is by... Oh, I can see the cover of the song. Don't tell me. Oh, I'm not going to. i got to fast forward to one thing. No, this is the best part. Oh, I love the longer version. It's so much better oh. than the radio version. I didn't know there were two versions. Yeah. This is like the regular dance version. Oh, it's something. Oh, it almost, I almost had it. I saw it. What does that mean, rhythm is a dancer? Is there somebody named Rhythm? Well, no. And does this person dance? I don't think it's supposed to be so literal. I think rhythm, I don't know. Um, Todd, I don't know who sings. Snap. I wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah. I wouldn't I, have gotten it. You would have given me a million guesses. I wouldn't have yeah. guessed Snap. I wouldn't have gotten that. I could see the song, but I just would have seen the person and not that title. So I, I was going to go into a big story no, about that No, don't go into song. the big story. Oh, come on. It's, it involves you. Okay, go ahead. No, it's okay. Oh, it's about me? Let's, <laughs> let's explore. No, it's fine. No, I will tell a bit of this story, okay? okay. So my senior year in college, we made a, a tape Yes, I'm aging myself with that song as the first song. Oh, my gosh. And we would, when we'd go to a fraternity party, we would take the tape with us and try and, like, play our own music yeah. when we went there because you guys sucked at playing music sometimes. Oh, my God, we were the best. And that was because it was prompted by the fact when we would go to your fraternity house, you guys would play, like, songs that were not danceable. Like, I'm not ripping on Billy Joel, love him. But your for the longest time mix that you guys would play it was not quite up to the mood that we were in. Do you know what I mean? I think I do. Sweetie, if this doesn't get you going on a dance floor, I don't know what does. Here's the difference. All the other houses played like good dancing music because, you know, we they were considerate of their guests. Yes. And we just wanted to play songs that we like to sing along to. Well, and that's fine, but then people are going to leave. So choices. Yeah. Choices. As long as I can sing these songs... That's okay. All right. Well, then we all win. So let's go back to rhythm as a dancer. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm done with oh, my that story. Was it? Yeah, it was, oh, okay. it was just involved you. It's, it's over. <laughs> was it, can you think of any other songs that were on your mix? Oh, sure. Tape? There was like a Prince song, Seven. There was 
Um, What's seven? There was like, uh, what was that song? Uh, seven. And then Get Off by Prince, I remember, was number two. Um, we had some, oh, God. Oh Sweetie, my God. how's your 50-year-old brain working this morning? <laughs> well, I'm hearing the songs in my head, and I'm like having to come up with what well, they're called. as you think about okay, it, I, I, I read through your Zen Parenting moment, yes. and the first line, of, first of all, the quote is, the only way out is through, which is awesome, True. Robert Frost. I once worked as an administrative assistant where part of my job was budgeting grant money. Can so, you believe that so, was my job? So stop there. Oh, my God. Like, if you, if you can say, okay, what job would Kathy hate the most? I know. This would be like in my top 10. I know. What the, what were you doing there? I actually, speaking, I know we're not doing huge book promotion, but I write about this in my book that I had a job where I was an administrative assistant at a university for a guy who was doing a lot of research. And I was grateful to have the job. I really was. But um, my job was to balance grant money and to be the administrative, like to be the organizational person for this very unorganized boss that I had, mm-hmm. I sucked at it. And I talked about in the book how we all, my whole team took a personality test and everybody ended up, it was the disc test yeah. and everybody ended up in like that lane of mm-hmm. like organization mm-hmm. and, you know, very logical. And I ended up, my two things were like freedom yeah. and expression. Yeah. They're like, huh, Maybe you don't fit. in this place. I was so embarrassed because yeah. it just demonstrated my my lack of ability to do those things. But anyway, that was my job. So you say in it, I was lost from the beginning, having no idea why the system needed to be tricked. So will you quickly... Sure. So the woman who trained me, um, she was lovely and she used to be in charge of this. So I took her job. And when she was training me, she said, okay, when you're going to start, you're going to input these things and then you're going to do like the hashtag. This was before we had hashtags, but it was that sign. Mm-hmm. You're going to do the hashtag sign and that'll trick it to like do something where it'll take it it was like a whole system that she had learned how to manage it through tricks so she was trying to teach me these tricks that made no sense to me because i was coming in new so before you get into it i have one clip i have to play okay (laughs) do you know who nick burns is I don't think so. He's a character from Saturday Night Live. Okay. Oh, move. Played by Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Him. So Jimmy oh. Fallon plays a computer guy, and Chris Kattan is in the office trying to type away at his keyboard, and he's stuck. Yeah. And, and Jimmy Fallon's character comes in to try to help. Correct. I'm doing the quarterly again, and I copied the spreadsheets into this new file, and this stupid computer just screwed up all my columns. Oh, it's a computer that's stupid, not you, right? <laughs> The computer's screwed yeah, up. Yeah, okay, all right. I try to cut and paste it. Cut and paste? Didn't I tell you these guys were stupid? <laughs> go, to your, go to your default font and change it to the spreadsheet font. <laughs> my, my spreadsheet has a font. Move! <laughs> Best part is because Fallon can't keep it together. Ever. Saying those words. Um, first of all, I was definitely Chris Kattan in that situation where I was like, okay, I was pretty good on computers, like the basics, but I was like, I don't, the hashtag is win... Like, what's the thing? She's like, well, you'll know because you'll be... And I was like, I had no idea. So I tried to do that for months. Mm -hmm. And basically what I ended up doing is if you like would look on my desk, I'd have like paper where I would do it on, like I would subtract and add things on paper and then put it into the system, Right. which is the opposite of what the system's supposed to do. Yeah, the system's supposed to work without having to do that. Correct. What are you looking at? Looking for Kleenex. Oh. You got a runny nose, do you? No, not really. I just like to have Kleenex. Oh, okay. Okay, just in case I start crying about the computer stuff. 
I want to play another thing, but I'm not going to. No, don't, because we've already played four things and we haven't talked about anything yet. I love not. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Just to be very clear, I am not crying, right. and my no, I just felt like I was going to sneeze. You know yeah. what I mean? All right. So. That's it. So I had this job. Then the what you're trying to get to so we can get through this is I decided to quit tricking the system and to learn how to use the system. And I actually read manuals and I actually had another person train me. And I actually so I asked for help. I did some work on my, you know, for myself and I figured out how the system worked. And interestingly enough, it had a natural rhythm. Mm -hmm. Then you could understand how things could work and you could have a little bit of consistency and at least understanding, mm -hmm. which I obviously relate that system to us. The only out way out is through, sweetie. So if you guys are attempting to do a lot of tricks to make yourself feel better or surfacey things, obviously the you know the comparison is, is very obvious. You have to go to the core of what's going on, and then things have a natural rhythm. It doesn't mean things are easy. doesn't mean that things don't happen. It doesn't mean that you guard yourself against challenge. It means that you can handle it. You have what you need. You can access these abilities rather than constantly trick yourself. And like I gave one example of like, you know, you're exhausted, and so you drink a lot of caffeine. That's a trick. What you really need is rest is to sleep. Our inner worlds are like an accounting system. We avoid paying attention to how it works and instead trick ourselves into believing we're okay. Instead of resting, we're tired. We drink more caffeine. Instead of owning up to our hurtful behavior, we become defensive. Instead of feeling our feelings, we scroll through our phone, eat, or drink more wine. That's Boom. right, baby. So nice job, sweetie. Thank you. All right. So a few random things, and there's our, these would go under the, at least this one, would go under the thing of silly. Okay, let's hear it. I like silly. So my sister-in-law, whom I love, Christine, uh -huh. got us a virtual reality thing. Yeah, what a gift, man. So um, it's the thing you put, it's like this high supersized goggles. It's called Oculus. Oculus. So you and Cameron was doing her own thing and you and Skylar were out. So I had like an hour, actually multiple hours by myself. Okay. So I'm playing this ping pong game that I bought oh, on yeah. Oculus. <laughs> Okay. So I just want to like I'm relatively new to this technology. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, and they're the so as I'm playing it, this little bell showed up, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. So I clicked on the bell, and all of a sudden, <laughs> there's this like nine year old voice in my headphones that say, "All right, you ready?" And I'm like, I was totally dumbfounded. Like I did not know, like. I didn't know that it was this simple to play somebody yeah. and to talk to somebody yeah. that I didn't know. I know kids do it all the time. Right. So I don't know the etiquette. I don't know anything. So this kid is probably nine years old. <laughs> and it's a Saturday night. And I'm too lame to go out and go out with my friends and have a beer. I'm playing ping pong by myself. Uh-oh, you're about to judge. I'm like, you don't... Ha like, going out to have a beer doesn't mean that you're doing cool things. There's other oh things God. you can do that What's are cool. What's cooler, having a beer with your friends at a bar or playing ping pong with a nine-year-old well, on, on virtual reality? There we go. So we're playing, and I'm, like, having a conversation with this kid, and I don't know if he's lives next door or if he's on the other side of the world. Right. And I was, like, nervous because I didn't want to say anything or do anything inappropriate. Correct, to make him uncomfortable. Make him uncomfortable. And so we were playing. We played for like 20 minutes. And I did make one mistake. Yes, you did. 
I said, you're my first friend on virtual <laughs> reality. Can we play ping pong again at some point in the future? I said, I'm, I'm going to add you as a friend just so maybe we can play again. Because he was like giving me tips on how to be good at the game. And I have a feeling that he's not going to accept my friend's request. Did you already put it out there and he hasn't accepted it? I clicked it? on add friend. Okay. And I'm sure... I'm sure his parents, yeah. if they're good parents, are like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like outing myself like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And then the last thing was I said, okay, I got to go. I can't play anymore. And he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> like there was no like, I didn't know the etiquette to completing a conversation through virtual reality, but I didn't think it was going to be okay by click. I know, but, but, but you got to remember being do. not not people. He's nine. I know. So how do nine-year-olds... First of all, the fact that kids don't really talk on the phone anymore, so they don't have the, okay, see you soon. Okay, bye-bye. That's right. our generation. Yeah. They just have... Like, think about one of our daughters just hangs up. Yeah. We've right. had to be like, can you not hang up? Right. We're no, still here. No, there, there was no etiquette. No etiquette. And that's fine. I just... I wasn't prepared. I was going to be like, hey, it was great playing with you. Maybe we'll play ping pong again at some point in the future, but... It just felt weird that it just ended that abruptly. I think if you were to go back into that situation and you were to play that kid or another nine-year-old friend that you make, is just <laughs> to be, like, present with the game. Yes. Just be, like, play and then be like, okay, dude, got to go. Bye. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to, like, be like, can we stay friends? Yeah, Like, I you're know. not pen pals. It was a mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the last mistake I I'm going to make. Well, and I just think you were excited because you didn't realize you were, like, connected to people. I did not know. I was clueless. I know. And it was fun. Yes. I know. And they, these kids, that's how they play all their games. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just Oculus, but everything is, they're communicating with other people. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And I could see how this is a vehicle of mm -hmm. connection for sure. For sure. Like uh, so many parents that I talk to, they'll say, Mike, they'll be specifically talking about their boys and they'll say, my kid goes to school, doesn't seem to have a lot of friends at school, but when they come home, mm -hmm. they are interacting with all sorts of kids on their video game. Right. And so that gives that kid something. And again, we can all dissect what's good, what's bad. It's very individual, mm -hmm. whether or not there's a health in there. So I'm not saying make sure your kid makes friends on the video games. That's not what I'm saying. But for these families that I'm talking to, it gives them a little relief. Like my kid has an outlet. Well, and just for the record, we played best of five and I won three out of five. Well, I'm so glad you beat a nine-year-old. <laughs> I'm so glad you're so proud. <laughs> okay. Poor kid. Wasn't his name like Ninja Tiger? Ninja something. And that's the other thing. My code name is, is Todd, Todd, Adams. Todd J. Adams, <laughs> which I don't think is what's it's, a, it's supposed code. to be. Oh my god! That's not a code name. That's your name. It's a like. I don't. Am I supposed to change it? Am what would your code name be? ZPR rules. No, no one would want to play you then. You you should just you isn't you should just be like Fox. Send me a, an email Todd at zenparentingradio.com and tell me what my code name should be. Yeah, I'm Fox. curious. Okay, so uh, I do want to talk uh, about some parenting stuff. One of our kids had a tough day last week. Okay, and. Uh, a lawyer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. I remember. So she had a tough day at school. She had to work later on that day. She was just long having... Long day, man. Yeah, and she had another long day ahead of her the next mm -hmm. day. So she was just extremely, not even grumpy, but just detached, mm -hmm. withdrawn, yeah. mm -hmm. detached. Mm -hmm. And I just... And you and I had... Part of me wanted to like, let's go downstairs and talk about this right now because we were kind of in the flow of the discussion, okay. but that was a few days ago. And it was this relationship between what I typically do, 
and you can say what you do. Okay. If I'm trying to connect with my kids because they're struggling and they don't want my help, I completely disengage from them. Uh Like they want space. I'm going to give them that space. And I'll say something like, you know, I'm here if you need me, but you don't want me right now. So I'm just going to withdraw. Yeah. And um, we talked about the balance in between complete disengagement, which is what I do, and sometimes trying to fix the problem. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you do that, but I'm sure there's people out there like, because I get so uncomfortable, some parents get so uncomfortable with their kids' um, challenges that it becomes really uncomfortable in our own body. So we need to get rid of this own personal discomfort by fixing our kids' problems and making them feel better. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to know... Well, we identify our kids' problems as our problems and that we need to fix their problems so we feel better. Yes. So I just want to know if you had any... There's a few other kind of takes on it. Oh, and you even gave me kind of like, how do we find that middle ground? Mm-hmm. And you gave me a few examples, and I don't remember what what you said to me, but it's like, how do we find that sweet spot where we, we are giving them that space, yet at the same time, they know we're there. Right. And there there isn't uh, a perfection here. Like every kid is different. And you kind of know, if you know your kid, you know how much they tend to either like some attention or how they are better served with less attention. Like this is very individual. But what I will say I have found is that when my kids are like, I just, I don't want to talk about it. I want to be by myself. Goodbye. There is, there's two things happening. Number one, I definitely want to make sure that they know I hear them, Mm -hmm. that their, that their space is, their ability to have space is, is fine. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not mad or annoyed. It's like, okay. But I also know that when someone is pushing everybody away, they're struggling. And I know that if, if your kid is like, uh, goodbye, good night, I don't want to talk to anybody. They definitely don't want you sitting on the bed going, are you okay? You know, that's not going to help. But there are things that I think we can do um, to acknowledge we hear them, but also be like, I am just reiterating what you said, like I'm right here. And with her, she's somebody who is um, works through things on her own. Yeah. She, where my other two kids maybe really need to talk everything through. She's a little more of an internal processor. And then she tells us afterwards. And so, but at the same time, when someone's hurting, they do need a hug. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, I'm trying to even remember what I did. I think I like sat, I'm getting better at being quiet, um, in the midst of when my girls are, are dealing with things where I just say so much less than I used to um, and just kind of keep hold their eye contact or nod or like, yeah, I get it. Or so she was just kind of sad and she didn't want to talk about it. Well, yeah, because you're like, can you just give me a, a few hint? bullet points? Yeah, and she's, and like, she's no. like, I can't no. because it, maybe it was too uncomfortable. She's for like, her. I'll do that later, but I can't do that now. Yeah, yeah it's, it was too much pain. It's like, do you know, it's kind of like when you have. And this is going to be kind of gross for some people, but it's like you have glass in your mouth Mm -hmm. and you're like, if I start to talk about this, it's just going to hurt. Mm -hmm. Like it's so painful. And so right now I need to just not move my mouth and just let everything settle down and then I can speak this better later. Um, But she, I, all I did is just kind of sit on the side of the chair and give her a hug kind of, and not like a big hug, but like a side hug. Mm -hmm. And then she eventually got up and went upstairs and then that was fine. 
And then I went up there twice. I knocked on the door once and brought her something. And I, I think I was like, do you want me to change your laundry? Um, is there anything I can do that would make this night so you can go to bed early? Like what I was trying to do is not be like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And instead be while you are processing, is there anything I can do mm -hmm. externally to allow you to keep processing? Yeah. So we can keep helping without needing the answer. And I think what we do because we're so freaked out mm -hmm. about our kids being sad or quiet is we want to force them to tell us what it is instead of just trusting they will once they can. Right. And instead, can we support them from the outside? And then here's the problem. If we push, push, push our kids and they finally say, okay, well, here's what happened. And my friend said this and I did this. And then we say things like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Or this wouldn't have happened if. And a lot of our kids know that we're going to judge their experience. Well, my version of that would have been because she didn't do well on a school project. And I'd be like, it's just school. Like, don't worry about it. Like, but to her, it's a big deal. Right. And so I, I guess I'm just owning how I may have tried to, I, I just wrote down, support them from the outside. Yeah. If I would have supported her from the inside, I would have said, it's just school. Don't worry about it. And that's like completely minimizing her experience. And exactly. And I don't even know if she, I mean, obviously that night she felt like she had done a poor job, but she had just, things had happened that were unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So she's not saying I suck, I'm going to fail. She's just like, I'm discombobulated mm -hmm. and it was unexpected and uncertain and all these things we work on, you know, as human beings. And so being like, oh, it's just school, no big deal is like, it, it, it doesn't even tap into what she's really experiencing. Right. Because what she's struggling with is it didn't go as I expected. It went another direction. What does this mean? Mm -hmm. And that is, um, that's a whole nother thing, yeah. right? Like how do you understand uncertainty? Did you really fail? Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like a grade. Mm -hmm. So it was like, but I'm saying all this and she didn't want to talk about any of these things. Well, and I just, I think the way, the best encapsulation of this discussion is do we support them from the inside or the outside? And inside, I think sometimes is getting into the details and and there's a seduction to trying to fix the problem. Right, talking them through talking it. Talking them through it. Yeah. And what you're saying is supporting them from the outside is how can I make you a little bit more comfortable right, right now? Can I have, can I get you your favorite dinner? Or can I, you know, make your lunch for tomorrow, even though you usually make your, mm -hmm. like whatever it Change is. Change your laundry. Change your yeah, laundry. Yeah, it can be really simple. Like yeah. you don't have to throw money at it. You mm -hmm. don't have to, it's basically things like, hey, I brought your shoes from downstairs upstairs, or, you know, I laid out your clothes or it, it's, it can be so simple and all you're doing is saying, I know you're struggling with this and I will be out here helping you. I will support you from the outside so you can keep working on it internally. And to, and what you've already said is we have three, diff three different daughters yeah. all processing things very, very differently. differently. I think maybe the other two daughters might be a little bit more prone needing support from the inside. Yes, they would want to talk about it more, yeah. um, I, I think. Um, I think it depends on what it is. But yes, I think the other two are more prone. Possibly, to, yeah. yeah. It just depends. But even that, the reason I'm kind of being like possibly is because I'm thinking of scenarios where they haven't wanted to until they have had more information or until some time. But, you know, we all get glass in, in our mouth sometimes. Well, that's the other term I have for maybe naming this podcast. You have glass in your mouth. <laughs> Does that analogy... Totally. I, to that, I totally get it. That's a like, picture I see Because if I don't move, the glass isn't going to it's, do it's, anything. It won't cut you. Yeah, yes. And if you start trying to talk it through, all of a sudden you're feeling all the pain come up. And let me be clear. Yeah. 
that pain eventually needs to come up. Yeah. Like you, I'm not saying swallow the glass. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, (laughs) this is going to get so weird. I'm going to say, wait until it becomes sand. Mm -hmm. So it's not so difficult. And Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. allows that, like when you, when you're embarrassed by something, that embarrassment is so strong in the moment that you have a physical experience. You get a red face, you know, you start to sweat and it's not, you can't talk about it yet. You're so embarrassed. Two days later, it's more like sand. You're like, okay, it's still uncomfortable. I'm still embarrassed, but it doesn't hurt my mouth. Like I'm not feeling pain as I tell you the story. So forcing our kids to tell us a story when it's still so raw and so scary, like I think the other thing, and this, I know adults can relate to this. A lot of my clients have talked to me about this. As soon as you say something out loud, it becomes true, mm-hmm. right? So like, have you ever had a client say that to you? They're like, if I tell you this story, then it's true. Yeah. They're like, as soon as this like moves from my brain through my mouth, then I have to then deal it's with real. this. Yeah. Exactly. So that can be true for our kids too. And so we don't want to, this is interesting because Todd, you and I get a lot of questions on Team Zen and just you know emails from people saying... My kid won't talk to me about things. How do I get them to talk to me about things? How do I and and this is a really interesting nuanced way to think about it is the goal is not to force our kids to talk to us about things. The goal is to let our kids know there is a soft place to land and that talking about things is always an option and that we understand how to listen. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, I hear this all the time with sex education and with, you know, drugs or friendship, things that are really difficult, especially for teens or, mm-hmm. or adolescents, is that kids will be like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And the question is, the parents are always like, how do I force them to discuss this? And yeah. you can't. Yeah. That's not, or I guess you can, but they're going to push you away even more. I guess one of the questions I have is, do you talk about your life that way in front of people? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Again, oh, I know one of the things we were going to play on the show today, what? and I can actually pull it up, is um, I was in this this lens. I'm not going in a different direction. I was listening to Dak Shepard interview Brene Brown, mm. and I had kind of, I laughed out loud because they were talking about parenting, and it was in the middle of the episode. They'd been talking forever, and all of a sudden, she, Brene goes, you know what I've really found? She goes, you know what I've really figured out is that, you know, it's not about you know, helping our kids with something. It's about us role modeling it. I was like, ta-da, mm-hmm. you know, like that's all we talk about on this show. Like yeah. we have to live what we want our kids to learn. Yeah. And if we are quiet, we don't talk about our issues. We don't talk about feelings. We don't talk about sex in the house. You know, like, and when I say sex in the house, what I mean is about education. body parts and yeah. education and mechanics and and maturity and puberty and social emotional. It's not just about yeah. sexual intercourse. Yeah. It's it's much bigger. If we don't talk about, you know, inequality, if we don't talk about race, if we don't talk about these things, our kids won't know how, mm-hmm. but then we get mad at them when they don't open up about these things. Well, and you said we're talking, I think what you also mean is how do we behave? Behavior. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, talk. We're not, when I use the word talk, you're right. People might be visualizing like lecture mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do we in our own lives discuss our challenges? Do we demonstrate how we handle things? Do we apologize in front of our kids to our kids? Do we have difficult conversations in front of them where they realize how nuanced things are? Do we talk about people? How do we like 
literally live on a day-to-day basis. Are we cheating and lying to get through? Are we gossiping about people? Because that is then what our kids learn to do. It's such a... Almost by osmosis. it, It... it, I just, we have to think about it in terms of how else do we think they learn. Right. Because I think every time I write this, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, people get so cringy about it. Like, oh, you're, my kids are watching me? I'm like, when did you think they weren't? Well, and one quote that Rob Bell always said is, you're teaching your kids one way or another. You're teaching them. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know that. But exactly. You are teaching them. Okay, so I found this thing in the Brene uh, Dax um, podcast, so I'm just going to play it for you because she says exactly what we're talking about, okay? Ready? Let's hear it, Brene. Deal. Yeah, and I think the most persuasive thing that I've learned from the research around parenting, which sucks, I hate it, is really be the adult you want your children to grow up to be. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's all about modeling. Like the amount of thought people put into what they're telling their kids, that be the person you want them to grow up to be and see how that works. Ta-da. Sounds a little familiar. So, but it's great. I love hearing that kind of stuff. And we hear it all the time because it really, you can break down all these things about this is the way I'm going to talk to my kid. This is the kind of, you know, I'm going to paint the room this color. I'm going to do We put this. all this energy into all this stuff that doesn't, doesn't have nearly as, the, as much of the impact as modeling does. And when people say be the adult, your kid, and this is what is always really, Todd and I like, dissect over and over again on this show is it doesn't mean be a perfect person. Mm -hmm. It means be a human being who is flawed and has challenges and is disappointed, can be disappointed by things, um, does have frustration and anger, and then demonstrate to them how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. You don't avoid it. You just deal with it. And that by, that's the definition of Zen too. Zen means to be here in this moment and deal with the reality of what's happening without judgment, with an open heart and compassion for yourself and other people. That's really it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I am I just threw a bunch of sentences together, but that is Zen. Yeah. And so it's just truth and authenticity. And again, those get skewed and hijacked where people are like, well, that means be like in the mm. present. It, it doesn't have to be that deep. Be, like, flawed, be flawed and yeah. be okay with being flawed and clean up your mess and look at it instead of pretend it's not there. And- That's it. Don't. And so, and this goes back to what, you know, the Zen parenting moment is we try and trick systems mm-hmm. and demonstrate to other people why we're good parents, how we're good parents, like the amount. And I'm not really surrounded by this kind of stuff anymore because I, I don't see as many clients as I used to, but you know, the amount of like competition that parents talk to me about in their in their concerns of like, well, but my neighbor's doing this or my grandma said to do this or I have to do this. And there's this competition with parenting where we're not even tuned into our own family and our own kids. Mm-hmm. We're worried about what everybody else is telling us to yeah. do. And this gets really interesting as far as like parenting books, which I happen to write and Todd and I do a parenting podcast. But the intention is not do what we say. It's be yourself in alignment with who you are and things have a natural rhythm. They, it doesn't mean it's perfect. You know, there still may be a tornado or a mm-hmm. hurricane. There still may be, your child may have an experience you would have never predicted, but you have a natural rhythm to handle it. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know, you can't protect yourself from life. You can right. only live life. Yeah. Well, and like in the example that we brought up for last week is my, our daughter had a tough day. Yeah. And instead of us 
you know, putting all our attention on fixing this kid or being the perfect parent. One invitation for me is how do I handle my tough days? Yeah, good Do question. I shut down? Do I ignore it? Do I numb out? Like that's what these kids are here to teach us. Mm-hmm. Like instead of like putting all of our attention, because it's all from a loving place. We want our kids to be happy and whole and successful and all that. But really, if we can look at whatever it is that's, that's giving us a reaction when we look at our kids, ask ourselves, how are we, how do we handle it when we have the bad days? And the worst thing we can do is tell them why they're not having a bad day and why they shouldn't be having a bad day and why your day is worse and why people, you know, across the globe are having worse days than we are. Because basically it's just saying, I don't hear you. I don't believe you. And you don't deserve to have these feelings. I'm totally guilty of that. Um, whenever my kids are like, I don't got to go to school today. I'll say, I'll talk about Malala (laughs) who got shot in the head for going to, for going to school. Like that's not a good. It's a both and. Like yes, appreciate what you have. You have a nice classroom in a country that encourages women and young girls to be educated, and at the same time. Malala isn't that important in their world right now. Well, and it's all about when you give that information because those girls, our girls, know so much about Malala because that's when we really got into showing. We did Girl Rising and they watched that movie and then we we show them all these things so they see it. But we're not showing it saying, see – how this is about you and the perfect, you know, how the line draws to you and you are lucky and she's not, we just show it to them and we trust that they integrate that information. Mm -hmm. So then when they're sad about going to school, bringing up Malala to your point doesn't make any difference, but that is part of their thinking. It's in there. And that's the thing that we don't trust. Well, and if you bring up Malala while they're having a bad day and don't want to go to school, I'm basically telling them your feelings are wrong. Correct. And there's something wrong with you for not wanting yes. to go to school. Yeah, I'm just, I, one of the girls said this morning, she's like, oh God, you know, it's Monday. I don't want to go to school. And all I said, I just was kind of spacing out. So I just go, escuela. I just said school in Spanish. And she's like, she just started laughing. Like, that's all I had to say. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk you out of having the Monday blues. I don't want to talk you into having a great day because that wouldn't work for me. I just just I'm here. And that feeling, as soon as you get to release it, you're more clear. Mm-hmm. You're more like you're, you've said it, you know, what kid waking up on Monday, unless they have something super exciting to do that day is like, yay, school. Right. It's just, it's common. And it's also, you know, it's not always something we have to stress about. And school. Why doesn't he like Mondays? Because he's a boomtown rat. He wants to shoe the whole day down. The whole day down. We actually, the other couple weeks ago, uh, Sky and I were coming up with all the Monday songs, all the songs that had Monday in them. Just another Manic Monday? Manic Monday. We came up with Monday Morning by Fleetwood Mac. We came up with Monday Monday by the Mamas and the Papas. I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats. And... I think that was all we had. I'm sure there's a lot more. We talked about, I, I threw in Morning Train by Sheena Easton because she says something about going on the train on Monday. Monday, it's a top 10. Monday, Monday, Mamas and Papas, Got Manic it. Monday Got by it. the Bengals. Ooh, come Monday. <gasps> 
Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yes, that's a great one. It sure is Monday by Mark Chestnut. Something Don't know that one. Blue Monday by New Order. New Order. Uh, Wilco has a song called Monday, and I don't know the other guys. Anyways. Blue Monday, the New Order song. Do they ever really say Monday? I have no idea. I don't even know the song. You do know the song because we did like a dance routine to it in like high school. It's way old. Sweetie, I didn't go to your high school. I know, but it, what my point in telling you that is that it was a very, um, it was like a new, what did we call it? This. Yes, I've heard the song. Yes. Usually I don't know the songs that you're talking about. Usually I'm like, you know. Not really my style of music. It was kind of like the New Order Depeche Mode. What what did what did we call this? Um, alternative? I guess so. College music. Co- but it wasn't college music because we were in high school. Well, high schoolers listen to a lot of college music. Yeah. Um, so my, uh, I wrote this down. What I th- our, my Rob Bell, my Rob Bell version of the title of this podcast is mm-hmm. going to be. Wait for the glass to become sand. That's a total Rob Bell title. I know, I know. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is, as parents, for doing our job, we're like psychologists, right? Like right. we have to like tune in to the differences between our kids if you have more than one, because what works with one isn't going to work with another, or what what works with one on Monday, the same thing is going to work with that kid on Friday. So we have right. to kind of like tune in. Well, and nor should it. And people will say, well, you know, that's why it's so hard and that's why we don't yes. want to do it. But we got to remember like Friday isn't Monday and the experience they have now is that is not the experience they had. It, it, like, why would we think it, we would do the same thing? It, and I'm not questioning yeah, this. Yeah, I know. It's tough. I'm saying this to myself too. I'm not saying it to everybody listening. Like, I'm not trying to be like, duh. My point is, like, why do we think there should be this structure of how human beings because respond to things? I, I feel safer right. when I can predict outcomes. Right. That's why. And so on that note, I wanted to, um, it, it, well, I'm not going to go too far away from this topic, but is it okay if I shift gears? Yeah. Did you have something else you nope. want to say? So one question, I've gotten a few emails about, Zen Parenting, the book. And by the way, um, last week on the show, I said, hey, the audiobook's coming out tomorrow on Tuesday, February 8th. And I got an email that night from Audible saying, oh, no, now it's coming out February 15th. I was very upset, <laughs> again, as Todd will attest, because I know a lot of people bought the audiobook, pre-bought it. And so I obviously got in touch with them the next day, and they had there was some kind of glitch at the end of of the narr- it, it wasn't at the narration it was in the closing credits so they had to pull all of it all of those all the audiobook from all the platforms and then redistribute it it's so, funny because usually at the end of an audiobook they're like thank you for listening to audible well like, i think that was the glitch they said it was in the closing credits yeah right so someone picked it up and yeah. and they redistribute it so they told me tomorrow or today because you guys are listening to this today the 15th is a firm date mm-hmm. so that's one thing the second thing is is some you know Obviously, a question I'm getting a lot is like, you know, is Zen parenting a, um, you know, some kind of parenting style? All these things that I try to discuss in the opening chapters that it's not. And really, that this book is just a path or way to tune into yourself so you can better do these things that Todd and I are talking about on this show. That if you are not in tune 
with yourself. And I'm using in tune on purpose because you don't have to know every aspect of yourself. You don't have to investigate every layer right away, but just in tune, like you're like, oh, I noticed that mm-hmm. or oh, I'm feeling this in my body, or oh, wow, I'm really impatient right now. You're in tune. It is so much easier to be in tune with the people you love. And and I, I, saw, I read something this morning that I thought was really kind of helpful in um, thinking about this because it's really about a kindness, okay? So somehow, I'm reading this, by the way, somehow in the course of learning to be good, We have all been asked to wrestle with a false dilemma, being kind to ourselves or being kind to others. In truth, though, being kind to ourselves is a prerequisite to being kind to others. Honoring ourselves is, in fact, the only lasting way to release a truly selfless kindness to others. So the real and lasting practice for each of us is to move what remove... We can't move, but we can remove what obstructs us so that we can be who we are, holding nothing back. And if we can work toward this kind of authenticity, then the living kindness, the water of of compassion, obviously someone else's words, will naturally flow. We do not need discipline to to be kind, just an open heart. So the reason why I like this quote, and it's like, you know, tying everything together that we've talked to today, talked about today is that, you know, our system, you know, that the Zen parenting moment about trying to trick the system and not understanding our system, we're trying to, on the surface, not be in tune with ourselves and focus on other people. We're trying to be like, I'm going to ignore myself, but what does my kid need, Kathy? How do I help my kid? And this self-kindness needs to start, obviously I said self, this kindness needs to start with you and understanding what's going on in you. And the more you work that system, the more you will understand what's going on with your kid. So it doesn't go from like, it doesn't start with them. I remember telling my dad years ago on the phone. Yeah. I said, dad, you, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And he's like, Todd, I don't even understand what that means. Right. So like part of me is like, oh, it's an easy concept to grasp. And another way, it's like, it's a hard concept to grasp because I think that's what you're saying. Be kind or love yourself. Is it possible to love somebody else without loving yourself? I think it is, but it's just not a, it's not a whole love. It's like, this is where words don't do it justice. Like, of course your heart can be open in a way where you are shut off to yourself. Could be not your fault. It Mm -hmm. could be traumas you experienced, um, you know, a chronic illness that you're dealing with. Um, You're in the midst of grief, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of a divorce. And you're like, I don't, I can't pull up that love for myself. That doesn't mean you don't love anybody else. It's not that simple. What I mean is that, your system and you understanding what's going on in you gives you a natural rhythm for understanding other people. Yeah. Just the just one example is if you have had moments of resilience, okay, which we all have, right? Yeah. We're like we're down on our luck and we're like nothing's going to I'm hopeless, nothing's going to work out and then something helps you rise. Yeah. Something, either somebody lends a helping hand or you have an internal voice where you're like, I'm going to get up and do something else. And you have had that experience and you tap into it. Then you trust your kids have that too. Yeah, You're like, oh, 
I know what resilience is because I've experienced it. And I trust that my kids have that capacity. Now, they may need the helping hand. They may need a discussion. They may need me to help bolster them there. It's not that you then stay out of it, but there's this deep trust you have. Like, Todd, you know, Todd and I always talk about the archetypes because he loves to talk about the archetypes of human beings. And and this and actually this isn't an archetype thing. This is like the hero victim. Mm-hmm. And the the thing about if you're in, as Todd would say, in hero, then you literally look at other people as being like incapable. Helpless victims. Helpless victims. And that is always so I always think about that. Um that that always like makes me laugh at myself because sometimes when I'm like, everybody needs me, Todd, don't you understand? Everybody needs me. Not only am I not tuning into myself, mm-hmm. which is me needing to be needed, mm-hmm. but I'm also assuming everybody else is helpless. Mm-hmm. And when I'm clear and I'm in alignment with myself, I realize, yeah, I do have skills and I can support, but so they can do it too. Yeah. They have the same skills I do. I think the challenge is when our kids show up, they truly are helpless. Like there's nothing less uh, less able to take care of themselves than an infant who just showed up yes. in this world. Yes. Problem is we still treat sometimes our seven-year-old like he just came out of the, or she came out of the womb. And it's, and it's probably because we want to feel helpful and productive. And because we're scared to death that they're going to get hurt, that they're going to harm themselves, Mm -hmm. that they're not going to get, they're not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is the, one of the greatest gifts we can give them is the normalcy of at times not feeling happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about chronic depression. I'm talking about the feeling of, I had a rough day. And them looking to us like, is that okay? And us being like, yep. And the more that we can, you know, when they want to talk it through with them, but when they don't want to be more on the outside and support them in that way, instead of be like, kids, I'm mad at you for having a hard day because I'm ignoring my hard days and we just need to pretend we're not having hard days and we just need to be better people. And so we're ignoring ourselves, which means we ignore what they're telling us. I'm listening to uh, Mark Brackett. Is that his last name? Mm -hmm. Um, Permission to Feel, Mm -hmm. just in the first chapter. Uh, But in the very intro, he said that sometimes when he speaks to groups... And they and somebody questions him in the audience saying, yeah, but kids just aren't resilient these days and they just can't buck up and all that. And one thing he said is, he's like, I used to get really triggered when I got that question. And he said, let's, let's just assume that that's true. Yeah. Like maybe they are less resilient in 2022 than they were in 1984. Does that mean that we just don't do anything right. to help them? Like right. it's so simple to him. And, I, and it really resonated with me. Like, let's just... Let's just, maybe we agree that maybe kids are less resilient today than they were in 1984. He had two points. One is, okay, then let's, and he's all about emotional intelligence and emotional literacy, obviously. Let's, then let's help them be more resilient through the lens of feeling your feelings and all that. And then the second thing, which is what I said, is like, how'd they get, how'd they get to be that way? Like, right. Where'd they learn it? Where'd they learn that? Like, we're the ones creating the society, creating this environment for them to live in 
But instead, we just want to point our finger seeing these kids these need to kids. be more resilient. Well, and you just said something paradoxical to what I said, which was I said, you know, allowing them to demonstrate their resilience. And yes. you just said, help them with their resilience. Right. And I know people will hear that and go, well, which one? Mm-hmm. And again, it's just like when your kid is sad and they don't want you around. And so you support them from the outside. And then when your kid does need you to listen and they want to dump their day. I have funny talks with my friends about how sometimes our kids just bring us the sludge. Mm-hmm. They just like hand you, you all go. the negative stuff. And it's like from the stories they tell us, we think they're like drowning, yeah. but really they're just bringing us the hard parts, but we're there to listen. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes we're, we're both. Mm-hmm. It just depends. And the only way to know what our kids need is that moment. Yeah. Instead of my kids needs this all the time, it's what does my kid need right now? Well, in this moment. The way that you, um, about 10 minutes ago, you kind of encapsulated your book in a different way, which is, I can't remember your exact words, but basically like you, if you read this book, your hope for the reader is that they can just tune in themselves Correct. and be themselves. Correct. So I have a new um, a song for you. Oh, good. But I'm in tune Right in tune I'm in tune And I'm gonna tune Sweetie, that's your theme song for the book There it is, it's The Who again Farewell Tour (laughs) What movie is this song from? I think it's from Almost Famous Mm -mm. Okay, don't tell me Oh, I know I know, I know, I know. It's Jerry Maguire. Yes. Yep, Jerry Maguire. Cameron Crowe, though. Cameron Crowe knows how to put music into film. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a very, very impactful way. Yeah, that that is exactly it, is that it's this, this book is a, the book is a structure to help. So if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, then I'm totally giving you a sales pitch of, buy the book Mm -hmm. or go to the library and get it, Mm -hmm. you know, get it on Audible to figure like, and you, this woman gave me a nice review on Friday and she was saying how she took time to like stop Mm -hmm. at each chapter Mm -hmm. and be like, contemplate this, contemplate this because it is not a do one, two, three and you're good. It's like, there's a lot of Contemplation, and I, I know some people like just to like to tear through books, and I can understand why. Right, I and, do too sometimes. But it's any book. Like I remember when we read A New Earth. Yeah, I did a chapter a week for Time. nine weeks, yeah. and that was much more impactful than if I would have not that I even have the discipline to read a book that quickly. But if I did, it would have been less important. It wouldn't have had the same impact on my life. Exactly, so, and you know, if you're not a reader. Um, and you know, it, obviously there's audible too, but this show is, that's what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like we're just talking about how to focus on you and you can use the word, like be kind to yourself. You can say, be mindful. You can say, pay attention. You can say, notice. I don't care what words you use and you don't have to call yourself something. You don't have to be a meditator. You don't have to be, you just, these things that we pay attention to shift the dynamics with our partner and our kids. The smallest thing can shift the dynamics. Like in the first chapter, when we, you know, the think acronym, Mm -hmm. you know, do you remember what think is? It's like this whole, these steps of like process through, like, you know, is this kind, is this necessary? 
And even that stopping for a second and saying like, cause you know, sometimes Todd's saying something and I totally want to be like, say something back that is proving my point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in the moment I'm like, is this necessary? Mm-hmm. Like, do I, do I really need to hear myself talk where, where right now? Where is this coming from? Exactly. Do I need to be right? Do I need to moment? be right? And, and this is where I'm kind. I don't say to myself, Kathy, you're such a jerk. I say in work situations, I have had to learn how to speak up and it is necessary. All the work is noticing where right. is this coming from? If we could do right. that, then we're off to the races. But most of us just react. And don't you think that's important? That part, Todd, that especially I'll speak about women specifically, is we may be different in a boardroom or on a Zoom call or in front of a classroom mm-hmm. than we are in our partnership. Mm-hmm. Like we we don't have to shame ourselves for wanting to speak up or be loud or be angry. We say, I, I do want to be that person in my work life, mm-hmm. but I don't want to bring that home to my partner. Right. So we, because what I hear people say is, yeah, I was being such a jerk and I wanted to do this. I'm like, you're not being a jerk. You just have a natural, that that's part of who you are in a different yeah. world. <laughs> and we just have to think, is that how I want to be here or with my kids? You know, do I want to demand things of them the way I do as a manager at work? Yeah. You know? Do I want to talk to them the way that I talk to customers? No, yeah. they are your children. So it's like we sh- we have to shift. Yeah. Um, so one more quote, Todd. So we are taping this on February 14th, mm-hmm. 2022. This comes out on February 15th, but it is Valentine's Day. So yeah. happy Valentine's Day, honey. I happy love Valentine's you very much. Happy Valentine's to you, sweetheart. Um, and there's a Jack Kornfield quote today in my... Um, in my Zen calendar. And it says, we must look at ourselves over and over and over again Mm -hmm. in order to learn to love, to discover what has kept our hearts closed and what it means to allow our hearts to open. Mm. It's just another way of noticing yourself. And he, you know, it's February 14th and they weren't like, yeah, go out and give people flowers. They're like, love yourself Mm -hmm. because then you have that to give. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, as I'm reading this book by Mark Brackett, I listened to the Brene Brown, Mark Brackett interview because you invited me to, and it was really good. And he just talks about the importance and, you know, we're going to close the shop, but I thought it was interesting. I think of myself as somebody uh, who is emotionally literate and uh-huh. emotionally intelligent, but he asked Brene, what's, he said, most people don't have the ability to explain the difference between like anger and disappointment. Right. And he said like two out of a hundred people can do it. I think those were the two words. Okay. And what he said without, you know, trying to quiz you or the listener on it, anger means there is an injustice. Okay. And disappointment means there was an unmet expectation. Yeah. And it just reminded me of how much work I really have to do at being able to communicate what emotions mean. And if you have read Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown's book, which Todd, you should go, not should, that's the wrong word, you may want to go to next, is that that was her whole intention. Like she got in touch with Mark Brackett because she was basically, he was one of the people she was interviewing for Mm -hmm. this book. She uses him Mm -hmm. in Atlas of the Heart. And her whole thing, she has a quote, and I, I can't do it verbatim right now, but it's something about that we... If we don't have the words to express how we're feeling, how can we ever let anybody know us? Yeah. How will ever how will we ever be able to share of ourselves if we don't have the language or mm-hmm. the emotional literacy to share of ourselves? The two things that I, anger 
I always say anger's boundaries and disappointment is an indicator that we tried something mm -hmm. and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And that is different than anger. Yeah. Even though we can just call it all anger, yeah. um, the ability to really micromanage. And hey, guys, by the way, just as another little tip, um, there, you know, Todd and I have obviously been talking about permission to feel in Mark Brackett's book for the last week. And you can go to your app store on your phone. And there is an app called Mood Meter, mm -hmm. okay? And you know how this came up for me? It was at my fan talk. Lonnie brought it up during mm -hmm. the fan talk. She yeah. brought up Mark Brackett's Mood uh, Meter. Is you If you put that app on your phone, you can, during the day, kind of log how you're feeling. Yeah. And you don't have to come up with the words. It gives you the word. It gives you a bunch of words to choose from in a very organized way. In a very organized way, like there, there's a whole process behind yeah. this. It's not just willy nilly, and th that gives you. It's not only is it a tool to kind of focus and notice on how you're feeling, but it also is an emotional, uh, as Susan Dave would say, granularity where you really understand the words, mm -hmm. like what's the differentiation between cheerful and optimistic? Yeah. What's the differentiation, as you just pointed out, between anger and you know disappointment? disappointment. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun. We've all been kind of doing it. I don't know. I don't do it all the time. I yeah. did it like twice yesterday and that was it. But it, it's just interesting mm -hmm. to note. And what I love about the app is it'll say, you kind of choose how you're feeling and then the app will say, do you want to stay here yeah. or do you want to shift? Yeah. And I love that because a few times I've been like, oh, I totally want to shift. Yeah. And then it'll give you like There's a other times quote. you're like, no, I'm, no. I'm staying, put. Yeah, staying put. I'm angry and I don't want to be anything other than angry right now. Absolutely. they. It doesn't say you should shift. I'll put a link into that downloadable mm -hmm. app in the show notes so you guys cool. can all see what it is that we're doing. So um, real quick, we're doing a Zen Talk a week from tomorrow. That's Wednesday, February 23rd at 1 p.m. Central Time. Um, it's just an opportunity for us to connect with some of you in real time over Zoom. So would love to see you there. First month is free if you sign up. Uh, the coupon code is FRIEND. And uh, don't forget about Men Living. I'm the co-founder of that amazing organization of men. We're doing a lot of wonderful things, so just check out menliving.org. Anything else, sweetie? I think that's that's it. All right, let me do the closing stuff. Here we go. Uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you have any projects coming up in your home, go to avidco.net or just give Jeremy a call, 630-956-1800. Keep trucking, everybody. Have a good week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>